So, last Sunday night, I was playing football, as I do most Sunday nights, with a bunch of, um, I would say middle-aged, but it does stretch up from there. Um, I think the eldest um, uh, member of the WhatsApp group is 75. He gets a wide berth at right back when he gets the ball. Um, uh, and and it's, it's the highlight, one of the highlights of my week. Um, and I, we have no referee. So we, we have this um, kind of code where we don't dispute decisions. Otherwise, it just gets unpleasant. So the first person to make a call on a decision uh, is... That's, that's the call. Um, and actually, it's a really nice environment to, to play in. Um, and last week, somebody, um, to use the, uh, the, the colloquialism, came through the back of me, and they, they, they hit my right foot rather than the ball, and I called foul. And it was somebody who was new to the game. And they said, that wasn't a foul. So I said, yes, it was. And then he said, I think we're playing a different game. I thought, you're taking it up a level. I know at these moments to bite my tongue, because what may come out of my mouth next may not match onto what a Christian should say, or what even a vicar should say, so I'm going to bite my tongue. I went home, and I I thought about it, and I prayed about it eventually. Um, And then the next morning, I said to my wife, In that moment, what I should have said to him is, you're right, it is a different game. We may be on the same pitch, but we're playing a different game. And what was true on Sunday night, I think is true in life generally, and is true in the church. We can be on the same pitch, but playing a different game. And I hope this morning that in recapping some of the stuff that we've looked at in the past couple of weeks and what we sense God is saying into the life of the church, that this will be a safe place for us, whether we're part of this church or visiting, just to work out um, under God what, what game, it's not a game, but what game is it we're playing. Two weeks ago, um, in our 10.30 gathering, Steve Benici shared a, a word that he'd been praying into the day before about people who sense that, that they, they can't do what they're supposed to do, but they want to know that God can. And we were praying for people just before the children went out to their groups. And there was a, a significant number of people that were responding to that, acknowledging that actually what's in front of them isn't something that they can do in their own strength. And then after that, I spoke on Genesis 19 and, and the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and essentially looked at, looked at the story of Lot and his family uh, and, and how that speaks into uh, the Christian response to peer pressure around sex. And um, if you remember, I, I said that actually the, the only way that we can deal with that peer pressure is um, in the light and the power of Jesus, who himself um, handled peer pressure by knowing who he was and what he came to do. And that actually, there are some of us who need to leave places we shouldn't be, like Lot's wife, and whether that's addictions or relationships, and that actually, in our own strength, we can't leave those places. 
it's only in the power of the Savior, Jesus Christ, who came and lived the life that none of us could live, that we can leave those addictions and relationships. And then finally, looked at Lot's daughters and um, uh, their longing for family um, because they were isolated. And, and, and drew a parallel between that and how many of us have longings that are not met. And how actually um, to, to live with those longings um, well as a Christian is to say, actually, I know that I am longed for more by God than any longing I carry myself. And when we know that we are longed for by him, then it changes the way that we look at the world. So essentially, um, the solution is Jesus. Um, It's no different to when you were in youth. If you were in youth at church, the answer is Jesus. That's the correct answer. Um, uh, But um, uh, two days later, um, during half term, I was having a conversation with a member of our our congregation um, who, who said... They believe that God is inviting us to surrender to him. That in all of the stuff that we face in our, our lives and, and the challenges that we face in society, God is inviting us to surrender to him. And around that time, somebody else asked me, how many people are living a life of surrender at BNA, where we are truly surrendered to his will, where we are not just praying, your will be done, But when it comes to decisions that we make in every sphere of our life, we are positioning our response from a heart attitude of, your will be done. We are surrendering everything to him. How many people are living a life of surrender? Well, one answer to that comes in um, the English that our foster child was learning this week when he came home from school saying, Always, usually, sometimes, hardly ever. That's a difficult one for somebody from an Arabic background to say. Hardly ever and never. The the truth is that, that we as a church will present our behaviors on a scale from never surrendered to always surrendered. That as we encounter one another, we'll see decisions around, um, you know, how often we come to church or how often we pray or how holy we can look at particular moments um, or how much we give. And we will present on a scale from never to hardly ever to sometimes to usually to always. But what the text Um, that are around today, and I would argue the whole counsel of Scripture leads us to understand is that Christians aren't on a scale in terms of how surrendered they are. Actually, what God looks at is the heart. He looks at the heart and how the heart is positioned. And in that sense, it is binary. You are either surrendered to God or you are not. You are either surrendered to God, or you are not. You might, if you are not surrendered, display behaviors that look like surrender. You might, at times, and almost certainly all of us do, when we come from a position of surrender, forget 
in particular moments. But there is a starting position for our hearts before God. And it's connected to the covenants that we have been looking at over the past few months. So, if we can have the reading from Genesis 21. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him, and as God commanded him, Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I had borne him a son in his old age? These verses read in the light of what has happened leading up to them express the culmination of human struggle before God, of deep relief, of hope, and of the miraculous. But we know because we've read the end that this is a birth that doesn't ultimately satisfy. As Christians, when we hear the coming forth of Isaac from the womb of Sarah, what we hear is a foreshadowing of Jesus coming forth from the womb of Mary. We hear in the first story the hope of humanity in response to God's instruction But then we hear through the years of Israel's struggle, its inability to respond to God's demands about how we should behave. We are not able to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. We are not able to stand in his presence. And so God in his mercy sends us a rescue. He sends us his only son, Jesus, who would die in our place, who would be sacrificed that our sins might be forgiven. And that in his death and in his resurrection, he has made a way for us to come home to the Father. And he has made a way for the Holy Spirit to be at work in us so that we might live a new life. A new life. That second story comes from the surrendered life of Jesus who said yes to his Father, who said Yet not my will, but yours be done. Because 
he surrendered, we can live a life of surrender. Because he surrendered, we can live a life of surrender. God can in us shape us so that we can say yes to his will in a way that previously we couldn't. And if you've got any doubt about that, I'd encourage you to read the Bible in one year Old Testament sections. You will find daily repeated examples of humanity trying and failing to do God's will outside of his strength. Um, if you were to want to summarize what I've just said in, in, the, in, in more simple tones, you might say, in, in the Old Covenant, God is on the outside, um, trying to move us to get us to do things, um, and we seem unresponsive. So what he does in the New Covenant is that he makes a way for him to come on the inside so that he can change the way we behave from the inside out. Um, Romans 8, um, which is a chapter that we've been encouraged to read of late, and I'd encourage you to read Romans 8, verse 9. Um, it talks about us being controlled by the Spirit of God. Actually, our lives are given to him that he can lead us into um, the life that he has purposed for us. But day to day, in crunch moments, does it always work out like that? Sometimes what I observe, and I've observed this in myself, is that when the crunch moments come, we believe that it's up to us. So God's there, we know that he loves us, we know that he saved us, but actually when push comes to shove, I've got to deal with this stuff myself. Which is why when people get wounded and hurt, sometimes they think that actually they have to fix their wounds themselves. Others of us know that the only way we can live is by surrendering to God. So at times the behaviors look the same, but underneath one says ultimately I'm in charge and the other says I can't, but you can. If you're not sure, and this is an awkward question to be asking of yourself, you might think about those two birds. It's an especially awkward question for some of the men in the room. Um, uh, uh, to, to whom or what am I giving birth in my life as a Christian? Does it look more like Isaac, where it's a struggle and it's frustration and it can't ever satisfy God? Or is it Christ himself? To whom or what am I giving birth? Now, if you, to a sure sign that you, you are um, on the pitch, but you're not quite playing the, the, the game by surrendered will, is that right now, inside, your brain is probably going, how can I do this? How can I do this? How can I make sure that I live a surrendered life? We can be on the same pitch playing a different game. 
last week, um, Sim suggested reading Romans chapter 8, and, and I, would, I would echo that. Um, it's, it's good alongside a daily pattern of reading Scripture to have another Scripture that is a reference point that is speaking into your life and to be revisiting it. And I would encourage us all, um, if we can, to be making that journey through Romans 8 and be listening to what it is saying to us individually, collectively. Um, On Tuesday, we had a discussion about how we were going to do this morning, and we sensed the Lord was saying um, that uh, there's a word coming about surrender. Normally, I particularly like to be a little bit more planned than that, Um, but when I said, I don't quite know what I'm going to say, but it's going to be around surrender. Um, so we said, well, wouldn't it be great if we could have a story of what that actually looks like? Because it's a, it's a slightly kind of heady topic. Um, how does that really work out? And, and we thought, well, let, let's, um, let's see if we can find somebody. So we were trying to fix it ourselves. Um, and, oh, the irony. Um, and, and then um, we went, I went for a coffee that afternoon and um, talked to somebody. Um, and uh, they just started telling me a story about how um, they've begun to surrender decisions in their lives. And I thought, okay, um, Josh, do you want to come up? Um, um, let's give Josh a round of applause because um, he's going to do a brave thing. Um, so we had a coffee on Tuesday and it was lovely to be with you. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, would you describe for us um, about... Um, uh, the moment you realize that you've been living from sacrifice rather than surrender. Mm. So um, beginning of last year, January last year, I found myself um, working as manager of an investment fund fighting poverty in developing nations. Um, I ran a community home that was creating family for foreigners that were coming into the UK. And um, I just got married to a missionary and was excited about using that as a means to evangelize. Um, But I found all of those things, fighting poverty, um, creating that family for the foreigner, and evangelism, a struggle through those things. And this struggle was personified in my relationship with one key individual in each of those three areas. Um, And so I had to inspect each of those areas very um, in depth and question why that was. Um, And what what I kind of came away realizing was that I'd been using sacrifice as a proxy for listening to God, for doing God's will, instead of actually just surrendering and listening to God's will. So I'd gone off and I tried to pursue those three areas which I knew were an overall calling on my life, but try to do it in, in my own ways. So the relationship that I'd got with my boss um, where I was working in the investment fund was unwholesome. Um, the relationship that I had um, with some key individuals in this community was unwholesome. And likewise, um, at home with my wife. So, um, that I, yeah, that was kind of this point where I, I said to myself, look, things have got to change massively. Um, sacrifice can no longer be this proxy. I have to 
fully surrender and understand what that actually is going to look like in my life. And tell us a bit, um, obviously we're not, we're not going to hear everything. If you, if you do get a chance, take him out for coffee because um, <laughs> c- it'll be worth it. Um, and uh, I love free coffee. Yeah. Um, uh, tell us about how God taught you, how he's taught you since then about surrender. Yeah, so I mean, the first thing to point out is I'm right at the beginning of this journey. Um, I can't profess to get it right um, all the time. In fact, um, uh, when I got the questions through yesterday evening, um, my mind started racing and I I started thinking, how can I put all of this down when actually I... I don't really under, I can't see the full topic, um, you know, fr- from a higher point myself. I, sh- I should have said so far. So Tell far, yeah. So um, I, I guess the, the biggest things are intimacy is the only way um, that um, God's heart for the world and for you know poverty for. Um, uh, all of these different areas exists, but that doesn't necessarily mean that your heart is on that journey, um, doing all things um, under your own power, um, and you know, devoting your heart to all of those things. Um, I guess you only really know where God's taking you in that moment when you fully surrendered to that intimate point with God. Um, and that, that's the only kind of top liner that I, I can give you really at this point. But intimacy, um, and it's experiential, I think, as well, having that intimacy with God. And that, that's how your heart gets formed. Um, so just give us mm. a um, prayer before, prayer now. Um, as in, what? how would I pray? Yeah. So I think I'd pray before, Lord, um, I know that you've called me to um, lay down my life for these three key aspects. Um, Lord, I'm, I'm really tired. Please give me strength in this. Um, and now it's, Lord, I know you've laid these three things on my life. Um, where do I step next? Um, Actually, um, I, I, I guess I, I'm, I can see now when God is calling me into something and when he's telling me, Josh, you just need to, to relax. Um, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, we're we're going to pray for Josh now. We, we thank you for, for sharing your story with us and we pray that you would know God's protection today. And uh, we thank you for your example to us.
we can be on the same pitch. Um, playing a different game. Uh, still to the question, how many people in this church are living a surrendered life? I don't know the answer, but God does. And he wants that number to increase in people's lives. The only way we can do it is through him. Amen.